Hello, 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 and welcome back to Spooktober. I did remember to put spooky music in the beginning Yay. of our last episode. I don't know if you caught that. If you skip our intros, I'm low-key offended. Um, this is where we greet you. We welcome you to our table. Um, welcome, so, yes, yeah, once again, welcome back to the Comment Podcast. We talk about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Mia. And I'm Decoria. And ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, into the fall season. But more importantly, thank you, Chuka Hamida. Thank you, Chuka Hamida. Woohoo! It was Corey's birthday yesterday. Uh, so happy birthday to Corey. Give her lots of love on our TikTok and our Twitter. I commented. Um, we will be chilling out this weekend. We're going to eat, going to do a golfing thing. It'll be very much fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the spirit. I don't know how I was going to connect that, but <laughs> I don't know how I was going to make that connection. But um, we are still on our Spooktober kick, and this is the beginning of Disney week. So we decided to kick it off with a Disney, the 1999 Disney Channel original movie. Don't look under the bed. Dun, dun. Uh, Corey, is this your first time watching Don't Look Under the Bed? I know for a fact I've seen this at least one time because they used to religiously watch Disney Channel, but I only remember certain points of the movie. I didn't remember a whole lot of it. Okay. Okay, Nia, is is this your first time watching Don't Look Under the Bed? Absolutely not. I, (laughs) this movie raised me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I like, this was like deep in the crevices of my memory. So yes, I watched this movie very much as much as I could when it wasn't scary to me. Um, Twas very scary when I was a child. So yes. Uh, Marin, is this your first time watching Don't Look Under the Bed? No, it's not. But my experience was kind of like Corey's where I watched it when I was really young. But I did experience watching this film and being like, oh, I remember that. And I remember that. Mm. Yeah. Um, This is... I don't know if this is my first time. I don't remember a lot about this movie. Um, I feel like I know it in name and not in spirit. I think I watched <laughs> it all the way through before. So this is a first for me. So, for those of you who don't know, Don't Look Out of the Bed is a made-for-TV fantasy horror film directed by Kenneth Johnson. It was released on October 9th, 1999. DCOM, um, 92 minutes. It stars... Uh, Aaron Chambers as Frances Bacon McClouston. That's her full name. Okay. Eric Ty Hodge II as Larry Houdini. Um, and then a bunch of other people who you probably have seen or haven't seen. Um, the filming took place in Utah. The Boogeyman's world consisted of a set that was custom built in Salt Lake City. And the scenes at Francis School were shot at Ogden High School in Ogden, Utah. Um, so I guess we'll just jump into the movie. So, uh, Francis Bacon <laughs> McCloslin, uh, is an intelligent level headed girl. Is starting high school very early. We have this whole narration. Actually, let me pull the movie up real quick. We have this whole narration about her, um, being in this small little town and it was like a normal small little town or she thought it was a normal small little town and weird shit begins to happen so um the first weird thing that happens to francis and the mcclausons is that 
um, the clocks are set back like four hours. And so everybody instead of waking up at like 7, 8 a.m. wakes up at 3 and 4 a.m. And they're having this really um, very 90s conversation um at the breakfast table about you know going to school and what's happening it's very like the thing that ages this movie the most i think is the language Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so you know the mom's like there must be a storm moving in you know there's um we see that francis has two brothers a younger one named darwin older one named robert i think they just call him bert oh albert they just call him Bert. Mom and dad are two very smart pickles, and they seem like they're very raised two very smart kids. So we obviously feel like something's amok as Francis. Oh, right before Francis goes to school, we are presented with the image of somebody with a grossly long fingernail opening a bag of dog treats and luring a little Bichon Frisé. That wasn't a Bichon, um, whatever type of dog that was. Um, luring the dog with the treats. And so then Frances goes to school. She's walking to school with her friend Joe. And Joe is the, you guessed it, token best black friend. <laughs> the black, <laughs> token black best friend. There we go. Um, and so her and Joe are talking about how Frances is in high school because she skipped grade and Joe's wishes she could skip grade. And she was like, well, you know, um, high schoolers don't ride the bus. That's for children. Well, I'll be damned. I was a child up until the 12th grade. Now it wasn't I. Um, <laughs> So Joe and Francis are having, you know, normal middle school age talk about how Joe finds Bert, uh, Francis's brother, cute. And they're talking about, oh, yo, was your clock, like, um, moved backwards? Because our clock was moved backwards, and so was the neighbor's clock. And we're like, as they're walking, they said there's a dog on the roof. And they're like, why is that dog on the roof? And they say another dog on the roof. And they're like wow weird and just keep on walking and if that was me i would literally have a panic attack if i saw somebody's <laughs> dog on a roof i would be terrified for that dog i was like y'all are not nearly as concerned as i need you to school they got, that seems like a job for the firefighters i have class they didn't too. even like alert anybody <laughs> they were just like you know what that's crazy what were we talking about <laughs> so so they get to school and um Frances looks over and she sees this, you know, very I I guess I'm gonna use the, the micro aggressively charged word hip black guy um looking at her. She's like, Why is that guy staring at us? And then Joe looks over, What guy, sis? And there's nobody there. And <laughs> Frances was just like uh, she Joe's like, you know what? I gotta go, France, but you know, I'll see you later. And so Francis goes to her biology class, um, where they're talking about egg embryos. And as her professor is giving this lesson on egg embryos outside on his really nice blue convertible where he has the top down. I notice it's a small town with steel sir. Um, top down, hundreds of eggs are dropped on this car. When I was looking at this, my first thought was, what a waste (laughs) of eggs. (laughs) What a waste of eggs. But they did what they had to do. They dropped eggs all on this pretty car. I don't know whose car does they rented that they got permission to drop all those eggs on. I just can't imagine what it's like to try to get all the eggshells out. Fine, they broke whatever. The eggshells? It's it's disgusting. (laughs) So, um watching so we go we shoot back outside to see our hip black guy um watching these eggs getting dropped and hearing some maniacal laughter from somewhere he's so very confused 
so Frances is in the class. She's whispering with her um her fellow peers. And her teacher's like, um, Frances, I need you to focus. You know, I felt that in my spirit. <laughs> but um, she's like, um, Mr. What? Mr. Biology teacher, did your clocks happen to have been like turned back a few hours? He's like, how do you know that? So, like, oh, yo, you see, well, um, a lot of people's clocks got turned backwards. And I'm taking a statistics class. So I'm trying to get everybody's phone numbers and um, addresses to see if this just happened in like one place with like some electrical medical. She was just saying stuff. And so I was like, okay, cool. Francis is trying to find a logical explanation of why everybody's clock got turned back because i too would be very weirded out um and if weird shit like that happened again i would definitely move out this town but you know that's just me um so class ends i guess school ends everybody goes outside and they see that mr biology's teacher's car is like pounded with eggs and he turns and everybody's laughing and they turn to francis and he turns to francis says francis do you know anything about this she's like no what the fuck <laughs> um and so Frances is not walking on her way home and we see hit black dude again with a dog on the roof um there he's watching Frances and joe as they uh continue um talking about logical explanations and trying to figure out what happened with the clocks and things like that and joe's like you can't tell your brother bert that i like him and she's talking about how brave Bert was for donating his bone marrow to their brother Darwin, who we find out has leukemia. And um, Francis was just like, oh, well, all he has to do is lie there and get shot. But she's like, she, he was like, but he still saved Darwin's life. She's like, the doctor saved Darwin's life. And so, um, you know, but Joe's like showing her admiration for um, young man Albert and says, um, you know, she said this and it really didn't bring back itself. So she said, cross your heart or hope to die a stick and go in your eye. Why are children's promises so devastating? <laughs> like, don't step on a crack, you break your mother's back. Do you know how many cracks I avoided not to hurt my mother? <laughs> very violent for no reason. It's very violent for no reason. And so, um, jo- uh, Francis says, I promise. And Joe's like, um, I have to go swimming practice. Are you going to try for the high school team? She's like, no, they're not older than me. Uh, she's like, it's just swimming, you know, you're young, so you'll just be streamlined. And I was like, per, give giving confidence to best friend or whatever. So she looks back across the street and sees this man following her. This is how I know this is a white woman if, if I wasn't watching it. She's like, are you following me? Tee-hee-hee-hee. I said, in real life, if a black man was even perceived to be following some white woman, it would not be. She would not be. I was like, and she's like are you following me like all flattered and stuff and i was like babe it's weird it's weird this is fiction for real though um and he's like you can see me and she's like yeah die i can see you and so the bus comes and then uh our hit black boy disappears and then we get a shot of swim practice and a kid jumps into the pool and it's gelatin um gelatin teachers are getting attacked by flies there's just weird shit happening in this little town and bees are being sprayed all over the place right mm-hmm. so then the next night happens um and we get to see our grossly long nailed you know um faceless evil person again who is we assume is causing all this ruckus um francis is getting ready to go to school the statues in her house are turning to watch her so we really know something is amok um she goes outside um you know we get another typical 90s white american comedies get breakfast um 
her parents are asking her if she had anything to do with the gelatin. And, well, they're asking her about what happened at school, and she's like, why would I have anything to do with it? And it's like, we're not accusing you. Um, and she has a voiceover that parents are always ready to believe you did something bad. And I'm like, damn, Francis, is that the kind of home we're growing up in? And so, you know, they try to ask her. So she goes outside to meet Joe just to find out that there are flowers in her yard that says Joe Hartsburg. And, you know, for our eighth grade precious Joe, this was devastating. She's like, I can't believe you did that. And Francis is like, I did not do that. Um, But Joe's trust is betrayed and she storms off. Um, We get a maniacal. I don't know why they have this flipping pig mailbox in the first place. That just gave me a pause. I'm just like, (laughs) I wonder how much shit. UPS people see um, <laughs> like I really do want like I need a Twitter thread that says what is the weirdest well, mailbox you've seen UPS people please chime in if you're a UPS person and you listen to us please tell me are there people with really weird mailboxes because ours has always been normal <laughs> like that has never been part of the like the aesthetic of the house um, I'm never getting anyway if it's a right. I'm not touching it <laughs> <laughs> So we get the maniacal pig staring at her. We're like, well, something very spooky is coming to town. And Frances is also making that conclusion that something is very wrong. She goes to school and everybody's frozen. Like it's 2016 where they were doing the, the, the mannequin challenge. I was like, well, damn, look at Disney being in front of the trend. Um, so as she's walking, she's like, whoa, what the fuck is going on? Again, this is the one scene that got me. This is when I got grossed out the first time. We get to see the boogeyman's hand up close with the nails and the pale skin. I was like, ew. (laughs) That is something made of nightmares. Um, But, you know, everybody unfreezes as soon as the bell rings. People are walking around. And as Frances is walking to her locker, she realizes that people are staring at her. And she's like, something weird about my locker? She's like, why are the other lockers sprayed with beans and yours isn't? She's like, I don't fucking know. Um, (laughs) And then she opens up her locker and there's a bee on the inside. It's like, yeah, that proves she did it. What? How? (laughs) (laughs) Explain. It proves that she was overpacked is what it proves to me. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm a victim. <laughs> right. And at first when I saw this, I was like, why would Francis be spraying spray painting beans? But her last name, her middle name is Bacon, or her second last name is Bacon. But even then, why would you spray bees? And somebody walks up to her like, it's not cool, it's vandalism. And it's like, well, yeah, bitch. <laughs> so um I'm also noting uh, yeah, she says it's not cool as man. The people are questioning. I'm also knowing the people that she's closest with are all black, which is very interesting. We will get to that. Um, but as she's in the cafeteria, she sees hip black guy again, and she walks over him. She just starts talking to him. Of course, nobody around her can see him, but they're having this conversation. And he's like, "My name is Larry Houdini." He's like, "She's like, haha, very funny." Your name is what? He's like, "My name is Larry Houdini." Um, and so they have this whole thing in the cafeteria where Larry's trying to prove to her that nobody else can see him but her. And Francis is like, "Yeah, okay, whatever, dude." But she's like having a full blown out conversation with this man in the cafeteria, and of course, we get to see people in the background being like, "Yo, what the hell is wrong with Francis?" Um. So after they have this whole um, uh, thing, we get to the conclusion that the person who was causing all this havoc and mayhem is the boogeyman. And Francis is like, the boogie what? And I was like, 
I also too said the boogie what? Yeah, the boogeyman. And um uh Larry keeps trying to prove to her that the boogeyman is trying to frame you. And she's like, I've never done anything to the goddamn boogeyman, so why does he care about me? And so then Francis is headed up to here with Larry Houdini and his magic tricks. And so she decides to stand on a table and she's like, Hey, can you guys see this guy? Do you guys know this person? And he's not there. And so everybody's laughing at Francis for causing um, a ruckus. So she just called into the principal's office with the school counselor. Um, this is where they question her about her name being Bacon. I totally missed that that part of it. <laughs> um, she's like, yeah, my last name is Bacon. It starts with B. And so they're trying to, you know, interrogate Francis and, you know, put all the blame on her. And she's like, I didn't do anything. Um, her biology teacher comes to the conclusion that she, because she had all the kids' phone numbers and addresses, she was the one who told them to set their clocks back four hours so they can get up at 4 a.m. The fuck? <laughs> that's, that's too much effort. Like, nobody's <laughs> doing any, any actual thinking here. Nobody. The grown ups' brains empty. Yuri? And bounds is what they're doing. These <laughs> answers right and so the 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 school counselor is the one who i think was triggering me the most she's like how are you feeling about this francis you mean being interrogating for an injustice bitch what do you think of what do you think i'm feeling and so um she tells them about larry houdini and um nobody believes her and then larry like slams into the hallway in hockey gear she's like he's right there so francis gets up and follows this guy into the music room um they have another chit chatting and she's like how did you do it how did you get um She's like, why are you here? Why are you doing this to me? And Larry's like, well, the dude in my head, the guy in my head tells me that I need to be here. That's why I'm here. Um, she's like, um, <laughs> my favorite line from this whole thing. She's like, the, I think it's the disassociation between your left and right knock-knock brain. And I was like, <laughs> 90s, white girl peak comebackness. Do you hear me? Um, so they're having this conversation and then the principal, the counselor, her teacher walk in and she's like, look, he's right here. And she's like, why are you guys pretending you can't see him? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. So we can't see anybody. Larry shows up behind them. She chases him out the door. Um, and so then Francis' mother is called to the school. Now this scene right here where the counselor goes, you know, like I see that your children donated, um, bone marrow to <laughs> to your son Darwin and it's my theory that Francis feels um, an injustice about that and she's being rebellious about saving her brother's life and I said bitch <laughs> the person who wrote the school counselor just put a nail on the head of a lot of the bullshit that comes from people who have that job and so the mom was looking at her like Francis is not the one who gave Darren Bonemiro. Albert is the one who gave Darren Bonemiro. And she's like, oh, well, it was just a theory. And I was like, that's a wild-ass theory to have about a child. Very. You, <laughs> she made this girl become a villain. Like, a villain? What are you talking about? Oh, my. This is not some superhero movie where you have to find the origin stories of a villain. This is a child. <laughs> I, I don't think your first theory should be resentment for her little brother surviving <laughs> cancer. Like, 
So they have this scene, and while they're having this scene, you know, Frances is tired from being interrogated all day. And she's sleeping in the hallway on the bench, and that's where we first see the purple smoke, and we see the nasty-ass hands of the boogeyman. He's like, Franny, do you want to play? Franny, can you play? And she wakes up out of her sleep, terrified. Her mother comes, and she's like, are you okay? She's like, I think I'm okay. Um, She's like, um, you know, you're too uh, mature to be playing these childish pranks on people. Um... Did you throw it at him to keep his car? And she's like, Mom, you know I didn't do this. And so they get in the car and they go home. Her mom keeps thinking, you know, the, the counselor was talking about repressed anger. And she's like, Mom, this is not some adolescent thing. I didn't do anything. Um, and so the mother is terrified because she thinks that they've forced this, like, be a grown-up, be mature thing on her child. She's skipped a grade. She's very smart. And so that's kind of in play. Mom and Dad have this whole conversation about how they're very concerned about Frances. Um... Um, and that she might be the mastermind behind this whole thing. And Frances is in her room contemplating, like, what the hell is going on. Uh, that's when we get to see Darwin, and Darwin comes in. <clears throat> Darwin comes in, and he talks about how the kids are... Well, he asks his sister, are you the one who's pranking everyone? She's like, no. Well, he's like, um, well, the kids think the boogeyman did it. She's like, the boogeyman? She's like, yeah, they were talking to this guy. I don't know. I couldn't see the guy. They were just talking to him. <laughs> I tried to look over this, but it, when he said, well, I don't know. They just said he was playing basketball, <laughs> but I couldn't see him. And I was like, that was the identifier? Y'all could just say the man is black, but whatever. <laughs> um, But so Francis now realizes that Larry Houdini is at the basketball court at the park. She goes to see him. He's in a tight, he's in a, a taekwondo outfit playing basketball um larry's costumes this entire movie are just like huh <laughs> um but they're having this conversation she's like how did you mass hypnotize everybody he's like mass hypnotize i don't do that i don't have the type of power i don't know how to hypnotize people girl um she's like and she's like and if you're not real then why can the little kids see you he's like little kids can see anything they want she's like it's the adults who are too grown up who can't see me he's like i'm an imaginary friend she's like an imaginary friend who's imaginary friend he didn't tell her that and so they keep talking. Um, she's like, uh, he starts talking about the guy in his head. And she's like, I don't hear voices. I don't see people. Um, he's like, well, I do. And the dude in my head is saying that we need to go to the library. So they go to the library. They're looking for this book. They see a group of kids. And they're like, they see Larry. And they're like, hi, Larry. And they're smiling and stuff. And Larry's looking for this book. And it's the book. Um, um, as they're talking, we get to see more that the librarian doesn't see Larry. Um, but Francis, the kids can see Larry, and they find this book called Le Livre de Boogie, um, by Guy in Head, dedicated to <laughs> Larry. I was just like, well, okay, cool. And so this book is how to get rid of Boogeyman and what a Boogeyman and all that stuff. And so Larry takes one last stance to prove to Francis that he's an imaginary friend that she can see and adults cannot he, you know, gets on the table. He dances for the kids. Um, all the kids laugh. He gets in front of the library's face. She does not move an inch. She gets into the TV. And so Francis is just, like, finding, like, okay, I guess you are an imaginary friend. And she checks out uh, the book about the boogeyman. So, as we come, they start to talk about the boogeyman. And they find out... Um, 
She's like, what if it's an alien? What if she continues to keep? She's very much. Is this left-brained people who are more logical? Um, and she's, yeah, she's still trying to find out logical explanations to why the boogeyman is here. What if it's an alien from another planet? Giving very much it. She was like, what if it's just like a creature from a different dimension? She's like, well, he lives under your bed. She's like, I looked under my bed. Nobody lives under my bed. And um, Larry's like, well, it's because you can't see him because you don't believe but he lives under your bed and so they find this thing called the trans what is it called the trans something <laughs> temper 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 fuge temper fluge something a something like that right so they talk about the boogie ever made from other galaxies um of course Francis's parents again try to accost her so she gets home. Francis decides to go try to look under her bed, see if the boogeyman's there, but um Larry stops her and so Darwin comes in while Larry and Francis are talking. Larry gets so excited, he's like, Darwin, Darwin, can you see me? Darwin and he's like, how do you know my brother? He's like, I didn't know he was your brother. He's like, Wait, are you Darwin's imaginary friend? I was like <laughs> Um, at first she's like, you're not really an imaginary friend. She's like, yes, I was Darwin's imaginary friend. Um, and he gets upset. Um, he was like, I was Darwin's imaginary friend, but you told him to stop believing in me. And Francis goes on about, well, he had to stop believing. He had to be a grown up. You know, he was sick and he had to believe his doctors. And I was just like, I don't. Okay, we'll get back to this. I would just keep talking the story. Um, and so they have this really intense scene where Larry is like, but he's a kid, you know. Um, his eyes go crazy. And she's like, what's wrong with your eyes? She's like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It must be allergies. And so Dar- um, Larry gets angry again. Larry gets angry again. And Francis is like, I wanted to help him. But the doctor said... Um, you know, the doctor said that, you know, there was, Brett, Brett was the only one that could help it. And, you know, Larry accuses her of being relieved that she didn't have to give her bone marrow to her brother. And so they have this really intense fight. Um, and at night, the uh, Larry goes to see Darwin. He's, you know, um, watching him sleep or whatever. Not in a creepy way. He's just like, oh, I missed you, buddy. I'm glad you're okay. And so then, uh, Francis tries to get some sleep, and um, that's when we figure out the boogeyman comes from under her bed. Uh, Larry goes to wake up Francis, says the boogeyman is on your roof. And so the boogeyman is on her roof, putting Christmas lights on her roof. Darwin goes up there to fight the boogeyman. We get to see the boogeyman for the first time. Really, you know, <laughs> great makeup and effects. <laughs> um, Truly scary looking. Yeah. And I, as a seven year old, quivering, scared <laughs> watching this. Terrified. The man has like whiskers in the wrong places, a giant nose, the ugliest um, teeth, really bad eyes, and um, very gross fingernails. So, him, he captures Larry, basically drops Larry off the roof as. Uh, Francis was trying to help and save Larry. Uh, you know, he also makes this comment that Larry's eyes are kind of scary, so we kind of get a hint that 
um, Larry is in danger of possibly becoming a boogeyman as Francis was trying to help Larry. Her ladder drops, breaking and shattering her window. Of course, when her parents come outside to see what she's doing, she can't really explain herself. Um, their house gets on the front page of the news. I guess this is a really small town for um, that, that this might be the home of the prankster who's been doing all the stuff. And so her parents are like, Frank, Francis, you have got to just tell us what's wrong, what's going on. She's like, I didn't do anything. I really can't explain anything either. Um, so she goes outside after the press has left because the news people did um, storm her house. Her and Larry, I guess, are on a, a little bit of better terms, but Larry's in her garage trying to build the trans thinking. <laughs> The thermal thingy, whatever. Um, he makes a comment when she was talking about <laughs> he was using parts from around her house. She was using uh her dad's vacuum cleaner, and he's like, "Your dad cleans the house." She's like, "Yeah, he likes to do the house cleaning." He's like, "Weird." <laughs> I was like, "What kind of <laughs> comment was that?" But he shows Francis how to use the trans medium thingy. Um, and he uses it on a thing of milk. And it's like, oh, it's going to turn the milk old because it's turning the milk old enough to curdle and splatter on them. And so as, uh, as they were talking, you got to see that one of Larry's hands has grown really long fingernails like if he was a boogeyman. And so as Francis is in the shower, Larry shows up in the mirror and she's like, how long have you been there? He doesn't answer that question. Um, she's like, I've been thinking. Um, it's going to take me a while to get the... So she's like, I've been reading the book again and we can make boogie goo. And we can make boogie goo to attract the boogeyman. It's going to take me a while to cook it or whatever. But I think that's a thing to do. And so... Francis's parents have invited the school counselor over to, you know, to their home to, you know, help with Francis. They're cooking. She's sitting at the table and Francis, you know, excuses herself to go into the kitchen where she, where we find Larry making boogie goo. He has towed his kitchen up, tow it from the flow up. And it's just a mess. And it stinks. He put one of her brother's socks through a blender. And whatever was in that blender is now being served to the school counselor. This was the scene that literally made me gag. I was like... <laughs> I literally skipped. Ew! I didn't watch it. <laughs> I have a pretty strong stomach. I was like, oh, gross. Gross, gross. Gross, 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 gross. And so... And so, uh, of course, as soon as she was trying to clean up, Francis's mother comes in and she's like, Francis, oh my God, what is happening? She's like, what is going on? And Francis is like, um, you know, I was just trying to cook something and she tries to make an excuse. It's not working. Her mother's like, Francis, this is enough. We, want to, we just want to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, she's like, we're worried we forced you to grow up too fast. And, you know, her mother's really very concerned for her. Um, but the mom leaves after they hear the counselor screaming after eating Brett's sweaty sock. 
um, Larry comes out of the boogie goo, um, and his fingernails long again, and Frank's just like, what's going on with you? Are you turning into a boogeyman? And Larry's like, no, I'm not a boogeyman, but of course it seems like he's turning into a boogeyman. He goes into Darwin's room to hide. <laughs> this was, um, and so we find out that Francis had read some more in the book, and it says that imaginary friends can turn into boogeyman, I guess, if they're abandoned by their friends that created them or stops believing in them too soon so um they're having this conversation in darwin's bedroom and then darwin comes and is like what are you doing in here who are you talking to <laughs> and um darwin was like this is my bedroom i was like sassy mr darwin he's like fine i'll go in your room and so um larry and francis try to have this conversation again the first stages of Larry's transformation, he's just giving, like, you know, black boy Halloween vibes, even though the teeth are pretty creepy. I didn't realize that the transformation would continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he started but, crawling in her oh. room, I said, fast forward. I am not <laughs> looking at this. <laughs> but, you know, um, Larry smells the boogie goo and he tries to lick it off her shoe she's like, I didn't step in Boogie Goo. And he's like, how did it get up here? And she's like, oh, crap, Darwin. And so Darwin gets kidnapped by the Boogeyman and dragged to Boogie World underneath his bed. And Larry has not fully turned into a Boogeyman yet. So he's just like, look, I'm going to go find Darwin. Um, I'm going to take the trans medigular digitaboop with me. And um, do you need to stay here? And she's like, I'm not doing that. I want to find my brother. He's like, look. Um, she's like, you're the one who caused this. You're the one who told him to stop believing in me. So let's just leave it at this. Let me do what I got to do. I'm a professional. So Larry goes under the bed. Um, he's also concerned about her because he's like, you may also get trapped in Boogie World if I turn too quickly. So Darwin, uh, not Darwin, Larry goes in after Darwin and the Boogeyman. And Francis is like, I, Francis tries to go under her dad, scares the crap out of her. Um, at first and you know they have this conversation again and she's like sure dad would ever just get out of my room and so of course miss francis follows larry into the boogie world and it's like a very cool interesting set i did like the transition of her climbing under the bed to climbing on a cliff i was like damn <laughs> that was that was seamless for 1989 um and so larry was like i thought you'd be following me since you were pulling on my extension cord and so we're in boogie world and it looks like the world of lost shit under your bed. You know how you're losing socks? It all goes to Boogie World. And so they get in this um toy car that's Darwin's. Uh she steps on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that tries to eat her back. I was like, <laughs> this detail in this world is pretty cool. They get in the car, they're going they're looking for Darwin and the Boogeyman. They crash into a roller skate. Um well, first, Larry's extension cord does not go that far, so he gets pulled off the vehicle. Then, then Francis crashes into a roller skate. She gets out of the skate just before it falls off a giant cliff, but we have found Darwin, who is in a sack. Not in a sack, he's in a sock. Um, and all the while, Larry is turning more and more and turning into a full boogeyman, and the cosmetics are giving creepy... It's giving spooky, but um, 
<laughs> this scene was frustrating because Francis is trying to open this stupid sock and Larry could not be that far from her. And he's like, Francis, watch out. Francis, watch out. Francis behind you. Watch out. The boogeyman is coming up behind her with a net. And so the boogeyman catches Francis with a net. Um, and though Larry tries to help and distract and use a trans dig thing, but um, the extension cord pulled out. So when they plug it onto the boogeyman, it doesn't work. And so now Larry has turned into a full boogeyman and he's going to help the original boogeyman. Um, and so the original boogeyman is trying to throw Darwin off a cliff. Uh, and so Francis is like, Darwin, don't you remember your imaginary friend? She's like, you told me he wasn't real. But if you want help, you have to believe. So they do the Tinkerbell thing and they get Darwin to clap, which brings Larry back from his almost true full transformation into a boogeyman. Larry is back now. He is helping. Um, he's helping fight off the boogeyman. So Darwin does again throw it off a cliff. All the while, Francis pulls the extension cord into Boogie World and uses her smart skip a grade brain to create an electrical current um then sticks it to the boogeyman unfortunately the boogeyman is too powerful so even when the transmodigula dig works it's it doesn't it's not powerful enough and um the boogeyman is continuously calling francis franny and francis like i know who you are i'm not afraid of you you're she's like it's not the boogeyman it's zoe it's her imaginary friend. She's like, stop this. Why are you doing this? She's like, I'm sorry that I forgot about you or that I couldn't play with you or didn't believe you anymore. Um, she's like, I was so scared when Darwin got sick and I just knew that I had to grow up and that's why I didn't want an imaginary friend anymore. And so because of her belief back in Zoe, Zoe no longer is a boogeyman. And we are brought back to the human world where mom and dad come in to apologize to Francis because the town over is also now experiencing all these crazy pranks so it wasn't you it was like we're sorry we didn't believe you we're sorry we interrogated you you know we're proud of you we know you love, we know you know we love you all that good stuff and so Darwin goes out with his mom and dad because it's past his bedtime and we get to learn that Zoe is not a boogeyman but a boogie person um and you know she's like I understand why you had to do it, but you know, you not believing in me <sighs> when uh, too quickly did turn me into a boogeyman, and I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's okay, you know, I'm just glad you're okay now. And so the guy in Larry's head tells him that they gotta go to town over, and Zoe's like, I'll come with you. So they're now a ragtag team, and as they're leaving, so um, Francis is like, I can't wait to see you guys again. And Larry was like, well, we're not going to see you again. Um, you know, you know, you're too old to have an imaginary friend. She's like, but you guys are great. And Zoe's just like, well, you know, it's okay. You're going to be okay. You're brave. You don't have to be scared anymore. And just, you know, Frances is distraught and it's not easy for her to believe because it was not easy for her to believe in them again. Um, but, um, but just as they're about to leave, Larry kisses Zoe. He's like, you're going to be all right. And I was like, huh? I was like, my brain blocked this. Out. There's no way I would forget this. Because I said, what? Where did that come from? Excuse me? Listen, I was just like, a kiss? 
these are so, kids, right? Like these are all the same age, or is he like twenty six and she's no, like fifteen? Like I need. I to know looked the at age. the. Oh, trust me, I looked up the ages. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. Um. So they kiss and basically send Francis back inside, and um. You know, Larry Lee's just says just because you're getting older, um, doesn't mean you have to get old. You know a great saying he turns on the crisp lights on her house and zoe and larry leave to fight off more boogeyman leaving francis with i guess a sense of wonder about childhood and adulthood darwin is up to sleep in her bed at night um you know darwin says he's worried about getting sick again and he's like have you talked to larry about it um and larry said he could help me and they're pretending not to be scared to be your, you know, their best imaginary friend ever. And, you know, Darwin leaves us with a great last line. That is so hard to be a grown-up. And it takes so much work. And I was like, I felt that in my spirit, baby Darwin. And that is the end of Don't Look Under the Bed Now. Reactions. Corey, what was your reaction after the movie ended? Uh, I didn't like it as much as I liked it when I was a kid. I thought it was like mm. okay, yeah. But other than that, I was like, all right, well, I just watched this. So, <laughs> uh, Nia, what were your thoughts? Um, I think it's the nostalgia, um, really blinding me because I was like, oh, this is cinema. This is art. Um, I was like, I guess it's just because like I was like, this had a budget. And the way that the way that the camera would tilt every time something strange would happen, I was like, oh, someone someone took a film class. Um, <laughs> and like I was noticing strange references like, do these kids know what Frankenstein is? Do they know this reference? Right. So I was like, someone's a film person. I can sense that. But I feel like the script, whoever wrote the script and whoever directed are two very different individuals. And mm. and I can tell because the script needed work. But the directing, I was like, OK talent i see i see talent here yeah um, written by mark edward eden this directed by kenneth johnson kenneth johnson was in his back huh what he was in his what? Bag, yeah he directed the incredible hulk series from 77 82 okay see I, I, I sensed it i said someone has <laughs> their film bag on like they're they're really making a film um I I think it also was nostalgia for me because I really enjoyed it. There were a lot of times where I was thoroughly confused and I was like, mm-hmm. what's going on? And then like the ending, I was like, okay. Um, oh. The fight scene cracked me up because I said, what kind of <laughs> like Nickelodeon Cartoon Network fight scene? Um, but yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Um, but it's heavily nostalgia clouding mm. my memory. Mm. What about you, Marin? Um, I really enjoyed the movie, but I definitely agree with Nia. The ha- the nostalgia was working hard for me because <laughs> even the way the show was filmed, the music in the background, I was like, I was being taken back to like early Disney Channel. But mm. um, I don't know. I felt like when I was younger, I was scared of the film, and this is the first time I've watched it since I don't know since elementary school, I guess, mm-hmm. and. The movie towards the end it started hitting a little campy, and the campier yeah. it gets, the more I yep. love it. And so it's really it was <laughs> working for me towards the end, especially when he started turning. I was like, oh, oh, it's giving. 
Um, <laughs> and I don't know how to describe it. I've watched a lot of movies when I was from when I was younger, and it's just disappointing. This one, not mm. disappointing. And it was not. I don't think it was that. I don't even think it was problematic. There might have been one outfit that Larry wore that was kind of problematic, but mm-hmm. other than that, it it didn't hit any of those like, um, what's it called, the um, red flags for me. Mm. Interesting, because <laughs> I got a few red flags. Um, I got a few red flags. I think because I didn't, this doesn't have like a nostalgia child imprint for me that. I was definitely watching with 27-year-old Tory eyes, and so I was seeing things <laughs> where I was like, hmm. Um, with that being said, I think the thing that ages this film the most is the script. All that rhyming <laughs> and, like, nonsensical stuff. And oh. also, like, what they're trying to put off as hip talk, which is just, like, a very, very, very watered-down version of AAVE, that even sounds awkward coming out of Ty's mouth, the man who plays Larry. I was like, whoa, okay, the person who wrote this was definitely not black. <laughs> was definitely not black because there was just something about Larry's character where I was just like, were y'all planning to have this be a black character? If so. <laughs> I have a theory. This is me like doing, like, open your third eye, put on mm-hmm. your big brain glasses this could be this could mean absolutely nothing because no offense to this actor i don't know if like would be crazy if like one of the actors of this actually listened to it like listen to this i don't want them to get insulted that i'm saying this Mm -hmm. not me assuming they're gonna watch this but anyway um i like the his mannerisms because this is 99 which means they probably filmed it in 98 or 97 Mm -hmm. it gives me because at this time keenan and kel was so popular like, and oh, I mean, household I name popular. Yes, when I saw yes. this man on screen, I said, they wanted Kel Mitchell for this role. <laughs> they wanted Kel, but they couldn't get Kel. One, because he has a Nickelodeon contract. And two, he was busy filming probably Good Burger at the time. And so I'm and like, I also mm. wonder if they saw Keenan and Kel and wanted that type of comedy. And then they were giving yeah, the actor the to. direction for that. Yeah. It was giving that much like, copying yeah. something when he was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was so much. It was a slapstick because that's like on Keenan yes. Kel. Keenan was like the straight man, and then Kel was like the the slapstick guy. And I was like, this is very Kel's the way he talks, the mm-hmm. way he moves. Like it was really weird. Like I was. I mean, he I did feel, a great I, job I for what he was given. That they told Ty, the actor who plays Larry, to be like study Keenan and Kel and do that. Um, yeah, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they saw Ty in auditions because the intense scenes he was very good at it's that like whole like there's those breaks for Larry the character I was like whoa okay now I see why they picked this kid right because when he was yelling at 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 Francis I was like you better get in your feelings I just looked it up um (laughs) Larry was not supposed to be played by a black man oh okay (laughs) yeah see that makes so much sense for a black character it wasn't, mm. and I think they let Ty do what he could with the dialogue, but mixing white writing in with like authentic blackness usually never works. <laughs> so, yeah, he mentioned um, something about jive, and I said, 
oh, oh no. <laughs> what year are we in? It's not also, like when they were on the playground and he was like, girl, I don't know how to hypnotize people. That was the only time where I was like, that sounded like black. <laughs> yeah. That sounded like I just did that on, on, like, off the fly. Um, but I think the problem is that characterizing Larry as constant comedy should have been either in words or in slapstick. It shouldn't have been both. Cause yeah, that it was like an override. It was too weird of a character for him not to be an actual person. No insult to people who have this characteristics in you know real life, but if you were trying to give us like this, why I was using the microaggressionly charged word hip, because <laughs> that's what I felt like they were doing. But now that you say that this was not meant to be a black character, that makes so much sense. But I definitely understand why they would want. Eric Hodges to have been Larry because he did put his foot in the emotionally charged scenes. Um, That being said, (laughs) uh, Eric was 18 when this was filmed and Francis was 20. What? No, wait, 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 pause. Ain't no way this white lady was born in 1979 and Eric was born in 1981. That's I don't know. They looked 16 to me. They, they looked like twelve. <laughs> I mean, they were. I mean, he was eighteen. Is it the sky? Wait, is the black girl actually? Because she looked like genuinely like a child, and they both of them together. I was like, these are children. There's no way these are grown folks. Like that. What? Rudy. Let's see. Rudy Lipscomb is thirty-five now. So. Huh? Oh wait. Okay. Let me think. Math. What year is it now? Twenty-two ninety-nine. Oh, she was 13 when this was filmed. See, now why would you... Why does Hollywood do that? They're like, let's cast <laughs> the main people as adults and then around them, let's make the everybody else their age. Like, also, Ty has aged like fine wine. This man is still good looking. I had to make sure... You know why I looked up his age the first time? I was like, let me make sure this is not a child before I <laughs> opened my mouth. I was sitting there, I was like... I was like Mm, I'm I'm going to just keep watching this film. I don't know. <laughs> right. He he was 18 in the film, and even by time, I would have only been like, what, four? Wait, four? <laughs> when this came out? So when I saw it, he would have been much older, but like in the film, yeah. he's 18. So I guess we're gentle he thirsting. Was 18? Gentle thirsting. That's gentle. crazy. He has locks now. Let me just post pictures of this man in the chat. I did look this him is- up. <laughs> he's very pretty it's giving sage it's giving grand rising um a, a little bit of grand rising not too hard but you know he's giving like he like looked he was in a janet jackson music video i feel like oh. i've seen him in a janet jackson music video or i'm wrong he has a very pretty smile hold on i'm i'm losing it oh he does that's He's a very pretty smile. He was. He was in. He Janet was in a Janet Jackson music video. Okay, so for the culture. Come on, Mr. Ty Hodge. I don't know why he's not in more stuff. He directs to write a lot of the stuff that he's been in, but like, y'all need to. I feel like that's him. an episode on itself because all the Disney black boys completely Disney did not support them. They did after <laughs> like at all. We'll, like, we'll have to do a Disney Axpats like <laughs> episode. Yeah. Um. But to do a little bit more critiquing, the things that popped out to me the most was, of course, we had the token 
black best friend and Joe, who was there in the beginning and then never showed up again. Um, but I think what got to me, what when I ended the movie, I was like, at first when I saw Zoe and they were like, boogie person, I was like, okay, come on, respecting pronouns, teaching the kids pronouns in 1999, um, non-binary representation, and then I had to stop and think about it, the idea we talk about the magical Negro trope, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I feel like they thought they skipped this or did better with this by having Joe, the black friend, which is just a trope. And then there was like one other black character that she talked to, but I was like, the idea that this little white boy's imaginary friend is a black man. And then this white girl's imaginary friend is a non-binary person was just like, huh? <laughs> like the... The implications of that on a bigger scale. Of course, I think it's like very cool for a Disney film to have even those notions in 1999. Like, damn, y'all were ahead of the curve, but at the same time, the bar is in hell. And I was just like, I that was was reading this article, and they were talking about how the Disney executives called them because they were like, um, this black boy is gonna kiss this white girl on this movie. What? And then they were like, what are this? They were worried about people families in the south watching the movie and the director had to fight for it in 99 (laughs) you know what something that's interesting to me it's i the south let me like the south does have racism here right yes but it always feels like people who are not from the south overdo it on their perceptions if they make sense talk to talk to of course like of course there are racist people here but they're not gonna sit here and be like oh my god she kissed the black man on tv like they like maybe back in like the 50s and 60s yeah but not in 1999 A lot and of the people who are going to do that, it's like a very small amount of people who would actually do that. Mm-hmm. It's, it, this happens a lot during voting season where liberals and people who don't live in the yes. South, they're just like, well, the fucking South is always red. Bitch, do you think that we want it to be red? It's mm-hmm. like, y'all say the South, meaning South white people, not realizing that a huge ass pop. I can type in the blackest cities. In you want to know what? You kills all me? of them are in the south <laughs> what really kills me is if you look at all these blue states it's just the major city that's blue everything around them is red right. all of america is the same literally it's, it's just yeah. the same everywhere and so they like to be feel superior being like well at least i'm not in a red state well bitch i didn't ask to be from a red state either they just happen to have 200 more people than we did okay like <laughs> literally like Y'all just like to you feel superior about the South. It's very, That's very literally what it is. So <laughs> yeah. it's very weird. I, it's it's literally the education system's fault for teaching that the North wasn't racist. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny? I'd like, to, now that you said that, I'd like to think that Disney rushed The Color of Friendship, which came out in 2000 because of that. Ooh, <laughs> I feel like they were like, we're going to have to watch that one. Damn, y'all. Right. I've seen it several times. Yes. Right? Oh, it came out only a year after? Yeah, I feel like they were definitely like, okay, y'all don't like that we did this. Here's a whole movie. Another one where there was a black girl as a best friend. It was a movie where they had a snow machine, the weather machine or something. I feel like that one had a black black girl in it. Let me look it up because I swear to God, I remember seeing a black girl in that movie. I thought Brenda Song was in. Wait, yeah, I thought Brenda Song was in that. Let me see, weather machine, Disney. Oh, the ultimate Christmas present. Um. Is 
was it? Wait. Oh, no, yeah, you're right. Years. Brenda Song was in, but there was there was a black person in the main cast. Maybe is I that what's his face? Black. Hold on. Who is this? Okay, yeah, this whoever this is? black guy is. And then, but you had an Asian girl and a white girl. Like they, they were pushing like the "we love all people" narrative already. They were yeah. so progressive, and then they just went down the drain. But yeah, also just like Disney history, the famous Jet Jackson uh, made the main actor rest in peace. He was the first to have his own show on Disney Channel. And mm. what's his name? I swear, Cadet Kelly Young. had a black girl in there too. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Oh, it did. It did have that one yeah. girl. Also, I just saw this in the Wikipedia that uh, the director was like, um, according to Ken Johnson, the character was really dark um, and cool. Oh, cool sticking out. Oh, he was talking about the boogeyman. He wanted to make him more Victorian. So let's have his dialogue be limerick-like and make it a bit light. Mm. They were very concerned that this was going to be too scary for children. Um, they had a number of meetings about the tone. Um, that's the bar that they kept trying to find. Um, everybody thought we had hit it until they started getting derogatory mail after it aired. And due to complaints from parents who found the film to be too scary for young children, Disney Channel ceased annual rebroadcast of of it during the month of October. After 2006. What? Wow. No wonder I only saw it. No wonder I only saw it one one time. I moved to the U.S. (laughs) in 2005. That was it. I don't think of all the... I mean, don't... Okay. Don't hold me down. Arguably arguably more scary. I was about to say that. I was like, don't go in the bed to a child. That is pretty scary. But then you have like... Like you just said, Halloween Town... Um, there's the movie that used to show that was about the haunted elevator. I can't remember what that was called. Um, there was one they used to show what, uh, it was literally a movie about a white family who moved to Scotland and there were vampires. That one has scary stuff in it too. Right. My Babysitter's a Vampire was also a movie. Like, come on. Haunted House was also terrifying at points. Like, the first Halloween Town, I won't forever get that giant cloud monster. That shit was scary. (laughs) Oh, listen, the skeleton in the Halloween Town had me shook. Like, oh my god. (laughs) I mean, this is a company that started with under wraps in 97 about a mummy that comes to life, and you're telling me (laughs) that this movie was too scary? Like, they had Phantom of the Did y'all not just like the black boy kissing the white girl? Even, also, I'm glad they kept that in because they wanted to, that was the director's vision, but my head, I was like, with what chemistry? With, with what plot line? I was watching this, and the way she kept like reacting to him watching her and them arguing, I was like, I can tell they're trying to build to something, but there is nothing there. And then he kissed her, and I absolutely said, nothing. What? <laughs> Not even a child could make something up to try to c- convince himself <laughs> that they're together. What? Like, even the scene with him yelling and crying, I was like, Oh, we finna be best as of friends. We're best as a f- he kissed her. I said, "Nigga, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" Because he showed <coughs> absolutely no kind of romantic cues. They to were me. like the article said that it was supposed to prove that um, Francis had grown to was maybe too grown to actually see um, 
what's it called imaginary friends and i don't know because you're not to be supposed to be kissing your imaginary friends i don't know and just because the little kids <laughs> little kids would not imagine that or like have that happen right. to them versus she did because she's like what in eighth okay grade? but she's also a middle school high school child yeah middle school girls think about that shit all the time what are you talking about that is absolutely the weirdest that was the weirdest point in the movie to me um but yeah i mean that was don't look under the bed um any last final thoughts before we get into ratings um no not for me okay uh kick us off mary what do you give don't look under the bed i give don't look out of bed a seven out of ten i genuinely enjoyed this film as i've said um I watch a lot of older films from my childhood and I just sit there and I cringe and I am in, <laughs> I'm in pain. And I really didn't. Ex- the stuff in here, I'm like, uh, I mean, like it's bad. It's like not the greatest, but it's the 90s. I'm not surprised. I'm not sitting here like I can. It's not like watching a movies from the 2000s and seeing them uh, say nigga. Like I just, I'm so <laughs> happy at it. I know this is Disney, but I'm just, I've experienced that way too much. So I'm happy with this. Mm, okay what about you Corey? i'd give it a six even though i was like not super enthused about the movie i think it is still somewhat entertaining and i definitely recommend like showing this to your kids and like well, not to like you know kids who are not like five because probably gonna traumatize them <laughs> yeah. but like maybe those who are eight nine ten age appropriate child viewing advised <laughs> yeah <laughs> nia what do you give don't look under the bed I will give it a 7.5. The extra point five is from the nostalgia. Um, I really enjoyed this. This was probably like the easiest watch. It wasn't too long. Mm-hmm. Like, thankfully, it was the hour and a half felt pretty short. Um, I really had a good time with this. Um, I feel like when I was watching this, I was like, okay, there's a plot that could be, if they if they could in an alternate universe or if Disney wants to like kickstart their hbo netflix bag you could take this idea make it truly dark like make it like not annabelle but like make it dark for the like the people who are now grown don't don't and say that cw is gonna hear you they did that to, <laughs> they did that to like they're doing the winnie they the pooh nancy drew don't and what are right? they winks club don't say it too loud like, <laughs> Like, I hear you, but at the same time, I'm like, this idea is too good is, to not yeah. get a dark reboot. Like, I feel like with the right cast, with the right setup, like a proper horror director, this could be like a couple seasons. Like, I would I would watch it. Like, I don't watch all the other dark reboots, but I feel like this would be a, a great one. Yeah, I don't have um, nostalgic ties to this, so I would be down for a reboot. I also wanted to mention that the this had like Nia said the potential for the story is really interesting because even if you did just do it where it was targeted towards children the idea that Francis was like the idea of dealing with the idea of showcasing siblings of a sick child and how they deal with that emotionally would be great content with the right writer and the right nuance about all of these people who like all of these people's like finding out how these imaginary friends became boogeyman for all these different reasons. So I think that would be kind of interesting as well. I also that 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 plot line also threw me off because I was like, this movie is so unserious. And then it was like, oh, her brother had cancer. I was like, okay, never mind. You know, never you know mind. Disney. 
one thing Disney's gonna do is give you a sad family background. <laughs> your parents weren't dead, like like the way. Disney right, is. right. With that being said, I give Don't Look Under the Bed a a, a five. I really do like the production value. The script for me is the where it falls mm-hmm. the most. Um, I the hour felt a little long to me in the beginning because I was just like, where are we going? What are we doing? Um, but other than that, I think it's a solid movie. I think if I turn this on for my second graders, they're a little young. <laughs> they're probably gonna go home and tell on you. Right. <laughs> I was like seven, eight. Nah, these kids would, they would stitch on me in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> uh, I think if fourth or fifth graders watch this, they would have you know fun analyzing and watching it, laughing. So yeah, a solid six out of ten. Um. Thank you so much for listening to us again this week. If you want to come talk to us about Don't Look Under the Bed, you can come chit-chat with us on Twitter at Commented, TikTok at Commented Podcast, or you can join our Discord. All links in our descriptions. Don't forget to send uh, Corey her birthday uh, wishes as we wrap up the week. We hope you have a very great week. And until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Mia. And I'm Decoria. Bye-bye.